Today I am talking about a topic um, that I'll give a, a caveat if you are brand new to Catalyst. Uh, we don't talk about this every week. Uh, you came on a great Sunday um, because we are, are talking today about the topic of lust and sexual sin. Come on, aren't you glad you're in church today? Come on, high five your neighbor and say you came on a great Sunday. Because I know nobody in here ever had an issue with lust, but take notes of that friend at home who does, okay? Um, I've entitled today's conversation, The Lure of Lust. The Lure of Lust. Now, here's the good news. This is not just a message about abstaining from sin and not, no, there's no condemnation. Actually, let me say this off the, off the bat. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, so feel no condemnation. And Jesus did not come to put shame on you. He came to take shame off of you. Can I get an Amen. And, and so this message, I don't, I don't want you to feel any shame. I don't want you to feel any condemnation. I if it's an area that you struggle with now or you have struggled with, I don't want you to feel any sort of, here's my hope as we open the word of God is that you're going to feel hope because Jesus has life and freedom for us. And listen, the, the goal of when it comes to area of our, whether it's our sexuality or when it comes to lust, the, God's vision for your life is not just that you would not do it. Uh, growing up in church, I felt like the predominant message I heard was sex is bad, don't do it, save it for your spouse. Come on. It's like, okay, um, it's bad, save it for the person I love with all my heart. Okay. Um, and maybe you heard that message. Today's message is also not going to be about, man, just wait till you get married. Because here's what I know. Some of you in this room, you may feel called to a life of singleness. And God's vision when it comes to our life is far bigger than, than our sex life. It's, it's far bigger than just not sinning. He, John 10.10 10 says he wants to give you life and life to the full. But the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and I know that I don't have to go any further because we don't have to look too far in our culture, probably too far in our family or our friend circles to know that lust destroys. Sexual sin destroys relationships, Mental health, life, the research even shows it, which we'll look to. Which I love to see how social science and science research, scientific research actually affirms what the word of God has been saying for years. But I've entitled today's conversation The Lore of Lust because about a, a two months ago, I was in a pastor's gathering in South Carolina, and we went fishing. Uh, now listen, your boy isn't a fisherman. Um, I cannot fish. However, I am good at finding people who know how to fish. Come on. You don't got to be good at something. You just got to know someone who's good at something. So I had, I went fishing uh, uh, in freshwater and in saltwater. In the freshwater, we were, we were fishing for bass. In the saltwater, we fished for redfish. See, I sound like I know, I know what I'm talking about, don't I? Like, that's impressive. Uh, don't be. It's all I know. Uh, so we went out, and I brought a guide with me. And the guide was telling me about the different kinds of lures that you use to catch a bass and catch redfish. So they were talking about how the, you know, uh, the bass, we had this like rubber worm that you put on the hook. And then he had this little like frog that he cast out into the, the water. And the whole purpose of the lure is to look attractive, to look like the thing that will satisfy them. To look like the thing that they're supposed to eat. And then they clamp down on it. And if you fish, you've experienced this, right? Then there's the wiggle because the fish is like, oh, no. Like, I'm done. Like, because all of a sudden they clamp down on it. And here's, what, here's how the, the lure worked for me. I had a rubber worm. 
the, my, my guide made sure you couldn't see the hook through the worm. Why? Because it looked appealing. And how many of you know, let's, let's just be real in church, okay? So, so, you know, be real for a moment today and take a deep breath. It's all going to be okay. Lust is alluring. Or we wouldn't fall into lust. Is that okay to say? Like, if it wasn't attractive, then none of us would have an issue, ever. But, but it's alluring. But it's a, it's a lure. The enemy uses to bring destruction to our life. And the Bible speaks specifically around lust, about its power in our life. But again, there's hope. It's that God has, has, has life to the full. He has freedom available for us. There's hope, and it's in Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at today. So I know you all are excited. You're chomping at the bit. You cannot wait to discuss sexual lust in church. Uh, let's have some fun today and take deep breaths. Uh, it's going to be good. And uh, no, truly, here's what I believe. I believe some of you, if this has uh, either been a struggle or a current struggle, I believe you will walk in greater freedom today in Jesus' name. Why? Because the Spirit of God is here with us in this room. The Spirit of God can empower you so you can walk in freedom. And can I tell you, part of my passion about this message is this is part of my testimony. I struggled with lust and sexual sin for a large portion of my life. And I have found freedom in Jesus' name. And can I tell you, first service, there were many people who prayed for that same freedom and were believing for that for you today. And again, there's no condemnation. There's no shame. If you did something last night or this morning that would categorize as lust or sexual sin, there is no shame in the game with Jesus. Can I get amen? So let's move forward and let's look at the word so we can walk in freedom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, we ask your spirit to come. We need you. God, to move upon our hearts, to empower us by your spirit. We ask that as we open up your word that you would speak to our hearts. God, that you would speak to us, God, that we would posture our hearts and minds to receive from you. We would not merely hear this word, we would put it into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. Baker's Bible Dictionary defines lust as a strong craving or desire, often of a sexual nature. Uh, Lust, when it's referred to in the scriptures, uh, either refers to sexual immorality or uh, idolatry. Uh, Sexual immorality is a broad term. Uh, it refers to many different types of things, um, but it is, that is the, the definition, biblically speaking. Jesus in Matthew 5, which gives us context to the series called Matters of the Heart, because the Bible says out of, out of your heart flow the issues of life. And, and Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he was contrasting how in religious culture, we deal with the behaviors. But in the kingdom of God, he wants to deal with the heart. See, we can get, we, we can sometimes, if we're not careful, especially if you've been walking with God for a period of time, you can think I'm good because I'm not doing anything, but, it, but it's an issue in your heart. And Jesus wants to deal with things at the foundational level. And here's what he says about lust in Matthew 5. He says, you've heard it said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Again, he's dealing with the, the heart level. That's what he's concerned about. Probably the most prolific passage of Scripture that deals with this topic and very relevant to the culture that Paul was writing to was 1 Corinthians 6. Paul's writing, uh, Paul was the Apostle Paul, wrote these pastoral letters. That's what Corinthians, uh, Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, 
They are known as pastoral epistles. They are, they are letters from a pastor to a local church. And he writes this to the church at Corinth. And why this is so relevant to Corinth and also to our culture today, Corinth was a, a metropolis that had a, had a booming economy, uh, very diverse, much of the Washington, D.C. area. And, and they had a temple in Corinth, the temple of the goddess of love, Aphrodite. At the temple of Aphrodite, there were a thousand temple prostitutes. And what was common in Corinth is you would walk into the temple of Aphrodite, you would offer an offering, and you could have your way with a prostitute. And that was the common practice in, in Corinth. So Paul, and, and as I was studying for this passage, this message, uh, many scholars presume that the church, the Christians in Corinth as well, struggled with this same thing. And here's what he says in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 6. We're going to read about nine scriptures. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. See, Corinth was much like our Western culture. They valued individual freedom. We love individual freedom in America. But here's what he says. Yes, you can have the right. You're free to do anything. But not everything's beneficial. But some things you can become enslaved to, like sexual sin. He says, you say food for the stomach and stomach for the food, but God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. See, in Corinth, it was a common belief that sex is merely physical. Just a physical act. What's the big deal? And that's also a common message in our culture. And Paul says, no, it's far more than physical. In fact, we all know this if we really are honest with ourselves. We know it's emotional. We know it has spiritual implications. And here's what he's reminding Corinth. Now, now, I want you to note the tone of Paul here. It's out of love, but it's very firm with the church. He says, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall then I take members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? Again, he's mentioning prostitution because it was common in that culture. It'd be like in, a, in, a, in our Western culture, pornography. It was very common for people to engage in prostitution. Uh, there. So he says, for it is said the two will become one flesh, for whoever united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Here he uses a reference to what he says in Ephesians 5 regarding the marriage, that, that how you're united. To be that word united literally means to glue oneself together. And the one self is not just your physical body, it's your entire being. So he's saying when you sleep with a prostitute, when you engage in sexual sin, you are completely, you are uniting your being with somebody else. That's why he speaks to the danger. And then I want you to hear his language here. Flee from sexual immorality. If you read Paul's letters, other sins, he says, resist. Only sexual immoralities, he says, flee. To give you a word picture, the word flee, it's like somebody running after you to mug you and you running for your life. Paul's like, get out. Like, this is going to hurt you. It's going to harm you. Run from it. Come on, run like you stole something. I don't know if you heard that growing up. Hopefully you never saw anything, it'd run. It's a whole, it's a message for a different day. That word sexual immorality used in the New Testament is the word pornea. Pornea. Uh, it's where we get our word pornography. It's from this Greek root word pornea. Sexual immorality. All other sins a person commit are outside the body. So greed, pride, all the other sins, they're outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. That word body means more than your physical body. It means your entire being, yourself. He says, um, 
Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Here's a tone Paul's giving here. He's giving a tone of a, of a loving pastoral father figure. As he's saying that he's using a little, a little stronger language. And here's what I thought of as, as, a, as a father. When my kids are running around the house, as they often do, I will tell them to stop running because they could bump into furniture. They could trip on a toy. They could hurt, get hurt. But when we're walking in Bethesda here on the street, on the sidewalk, or we're in downtown in D.C., I will use a stronger tone because the consequences are more severe. Are you following me? Like if my son runs in the street versus if he runs into a couch are more severe. So I might raise my voice. I might be a little stronger with Judah. That's what Paul's doing here. Like, hey, hey, sexual immorality will destroy you. It will hurt you. It will hurt the other person. Flee from it. Run from it. Get out of Dodge. That's his language here. Because he says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? That word inherit means to take full possession of. What he's referring to is that when you engage in sin, you are actually inhibiting yourself from receiving the full blessings on earth of what God has for you. Why? Because Jesus came to give you life and life to the full. His words are not to be a burden, but to be a blessing in your life. Can I get an amen? He wants the best for your life. Let, let me just share with you just simply, briefly, to, 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 to drive the, the lure of lust and its destructive nature home. I want to share with you three ways lust negatively impacts us. Number one is that lust harms our bodies. Proverbs 6, do not lust in your heart after her beauty. This is a father writing to his son. Or let her captivate you with her eyes. Can a man scoop fire in his lap at his clothes being burned? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one touches her will go unpunished. What he's saying is, is when you engage in, in sexual lust, you're playing fire with fire. And we all know there's negative impacts that can impact us negatively, physically, whether it's sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, what some studies say, one in three people have been affected by. Whether it's, it's also unwanted pregnancies. Again, this is the fruit of sin. Do you see this, church? Lust is a seed the enemy uses to sow destruction in our lives. Number two is that lust wages war against our soul. 1 Peter 2.11, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires. The word desires there is lust. Which wage war against your soul? He uses military language. You know, they found in research, if you've been around a while, you know I love to look out social science research. Developmental Psychology Journal in 2013 actually found pornography use. Again, a lot of times pornography use, people can think, well, pornography use, or, or even just purely fantasizing in your mind, it's not hurting anybody. I, I'm not doing anything against someone. I'm just merely enjoying it. Here's what they found. Pornography use is associated with increases of anxiety, body image issues, poor self-image, insecurity, and depression. In 2016, the Journal of Sex Research, they were looking at uh, both male and female college students who were engaging in casual sex, and they found uh, that casual sex was positively correlated with symptoms of depression, anxiety, and stress. This is research, not faith-based, not Christian, scientific research, looking at it objectively. It is destroying people's souls. Again, my passion comes from this. I've experienced this in my life. 
That's why I'm a little bit fired up because the devil lied to me for years of my life. And my hope today is what, he, what I've experienced, you can experience in Jesus' name if you're in that position. Lastly is that lust devalues life. Romans 1.24, God gave them over to their sinful desires. In other words, he gave to the Roman church, he gave them free, free will. To sexual impurity, again, that's pornea, that's the word pornea, sexual immorality, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. The word degrading, let me say, the word bodies means your entire self. That word degrading means to dishonor, insult, or devalue. They de- devalue their entire selves. Here's what they found. Again, just looking at pornography, the Journal of Sex Research in 2016 did a meta-analysis, 10 years of 135 studies. They found the use of pornography is associated with higher levels of body dissatisfaction, greater self-objectification, listen to this, greater support of sexist beliefs, greater tolerance of sexual and verbal violence. Even pornography is not an individual act, church. It has negative ramifications on your perceptions of people and your tolerance of violence towards people. Again, this is non-Christian research. Here's why I want to communicate all of that. Because I want us to set a framework, both biblically, but also just practically. Like, lust is destructive. Can we agree on that? The lore of lust leads to destruction. But here's the good news. Paul gives us instruction on how we can walk in freedom and we can experience life. All right, everyone take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. People are like, why did you invite me to this church? This is crazy. Dear God, I'm never coming back. Next week, we're not talking about sex. So I told, I told a first-time guest after first service, I said, listen, we don't talk about sex every Sunday. Just every other Sunday. No, I'm just kidding. First, uh, 2 Timothy 2.22, I feel like Paul summarizes uh, much of his exhortation in 1 Corinthians 6. He says this to young Timothy. Uh, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace, and enjoy the companionship of those who call upon the Lord with pure hearts. He tells them to do three things. Uh, he tells them to run from temptation, to enjoy the companionship of those who call upon the Lord, the church, people of God, as well as to pursue righteous living. So here's the first encouragement, is to run from temptation. Paul uses this term, flee sexual immorality. It made me think about it. I was thinking about the word flee and what it means. Uh, when I was younger, my grandmother's neighbor had a big dog. And uh, I remember this very distinctly because... Uh, I was playing uh, football with, I think, one of my cousins in the front yard, and the ball went over the fence into their, their yard. So your boy risked his life, and I went into that yard. All of a sudden, I heard like a, Roo-roo! like that, that dog came running after me. How I many of your boy is big, but I can run like the wind. Come on, somebody. And I ran for my life. Like, I, I, I look like Usain Bolt, just a little heavier. That's, what, that's, that's the word picture Paul's given. Flee, run, get away, danger, danger. That's what he's saying. 1 Thessalonians 4, he says this, if, God, if it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that's holy and honorable. Let me say this before I say what I, what I plan to say. This is a little, little extra, but when, anytime you read the word of God and you read these um, commandments or you read these, these verses, Note that God is not in heaven saying, do it, and like he's, he's distant from you. No, the Spirit of God will empower you to. Like you cannot walk in the fullness of what God has for you without the Spirit of God empowering you. 
And he's not distant or far off saying, do this, do that. He's saying, I'm right here with you. Romans 13, 14, he says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision. Give no, give no provision for the, for the flesh for to fulfill its lusts. I shared a few weeks ago that whatever you feed in your life thrives, and whatever you starve in your life dies. He says, don't feed your lust. Here's what this looks like. And again, some of you are going to hear this. You're going to be like, Jeremy, you're being old school. Jeremy, you're being religious. And let me hear this. No, this is Jeremy protecting his heart. Is to think through how you can avoid certain situations that will stimulate lust in your heart. I'll give you an example. When I first came to Christ, again, this was a struggle for me. And for me, there was a season of my life, I decided to only watch movies that were PG-13 or less. Because I was like, I don't want to even see certain scenes to stimulate. I mean, I got to know Dreams Work films really well. Madagascar is a great series, by the way. I like to move it, move it. Come on, that song. Another, now you may be thinking, Jeremy, that's, 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 that's so like religious. That's so, no, I'm protecting my heart. Because the Bible says this, whatever you sow in the, in the flesh, you'll reap in the flesh. And you'll reap destruction in your life. So here's what will happen. You can watch a sex scene. You can stare a little bit too long at a, at a photo on social media. What, you, can, you can take a double glance at somebody at work at the gym. And you just sowed into your flesh. And then you're wondering why you have a sex-filled dream at night. You're wondering why you're still fantasizing about that person later in the day. Why? Because you just sowed into your flesh. You just fed your lust in that moment. That's what, that's, that's, so so I, I made that decision. There's another season of my life where I decided to, and I don't know one in here, I know you all are very holy, but just try to relate to me. Um, I decided that the gym was stimulating lust in my heart more than I was comfortable with. It was right after I came back to Christ, I was trying to get free. So I decided to work out at home for a season. Some of you are like, I don't work out anyway, so I'm good. <laughs> are you hearing me, church? What is that for you? What social media accounts do you need to unfollow? What Netflix shows do you need to stop watching? This isn't a broad stroke like, thus says the Lord, don't watch, fill in the blank. No, it's for you. And you know it. If you follow Christ, you have the spirit of God in you. It's when you watch that show and there's something in you saying, I, sh I shouldn't watch it. When you see that social media account, you're like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't look. Those moments heed the checks of the Holy Spirit, church. Here's what God's doing in those moments. He's saying, he's saying, Jeremy, 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 walk in the path of life. Walk in the path of life. What is that for you? It sets your life in such a way. Maybe there are some people you need to not spend time with right now. There's some places you should not go right now. Avoid it. But then here's what's going to happen. Temptation will inevitably come. You'll be at work and may face temptation with a coworker. You, you may be at the gym, face temptation. You can, you can be at a coffee shop and somebody walks in that you find attractive. You may find your mind go there. So what does Paul say in those moments? He says, run. Run like the wind. Get as far from it as you possibly can. Here's my encouragement for you. Have a plan for when you're faced with temptation, you can run from it. When Christine and I were dating, uh, I was committed at that point in my life to, to live a pure life, to live a life not not just to abstain from sex, but to, to live a life that was fully of what God had for me in my future. Uh, so one night she was over at my house. We were dating. We had, we had, I made her dinner. We had great conversation. It was like 10 o'clock. 
We were on my futon. Don't judge me. I was in my 20s. I mean, nothing good happens on a futon, right? That should be in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> Do not get a futon in your 20s. Nothing good will happen on that. Um, I'm not going to let my kids get a futon. I won't tell them why. Just can't get a futon. Uh, no, but we were on a futon. In my mind, I found Christina really attractive. And I still do. Holler at your boy. Uh, but I was like, I, I want to honor God in my heart. So my mind went there. I didn't go any further than that. And I knew where my mind leads, my body follows. So I, I stood up. You can ask Christina this. I stood up. I said, Christina, you got to leave. She said, what? I said, you just got to get this house. And I didn't know how to tell her. I didn't know how to tell her. I'm thinking about, I need you to go. Like, just get up out of here. I didn't even walk her to her car. I usually did. Like, I was just like, just go. Get out of here. Because <laughs> I, I, I wanted to be pure. I, I just did it in my heart. And can I tell you, I'm grateful I did. Because can I tell you, there were years of my life I didn't do that. And I, I, I've, I've had the negative effects from that in my life. So I was like, I've tasted that, and it's not good. I've given into all my desires. I want God. And can I tell you, I'm glad I kicked her out the house that night. She's glad too. I later told her, said, hey, here's why I kicked you out. I love you. I just ain't trying to love you that way right now, okay? <laughs> like, what's that for you? Maybe it's turned to show. When you, that Netflix show comes on, it says TVMA. Sexual content and nudity, you turn it off. I, I'm just saying, I don't know what it is for you. But flee. Do not entertain it. Do not play with fire. Number two is this. Intimately connect with other Christians. In 2 Timothy 2.22, he says, Enjoy the companionship of those who call upon the Lord with pure hearts. The church. Can I tell you this to give you context? I'm going to kind of back up a little bit kind of at a higher view of Scripture. The majority of scriptures you read the New Testament, Corinthians, Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, were written to churches. In our Western culture, there's a strong propensity for us to read the Bible through an individualistic lens. It was written to a community of people. It's communal, not individual. Can I tell you this? Pastorally, I've been pastoring for nine years. I personally, I'm not going to say it cannot happen. I personally have walked many people through the journey of, of finding freedom in life in this area of their life. I have never seen anyone find freedom without confessing their sin and being completely honest with somebody. I just haven't. And listen, I know it's one of the hardest steps to do in this season. Because it's not comfortable to tell somebody that you struggle with pornography. It's not comfortable to tell somebody that you're having casual sex. It's not comfortable to tell somebody you're fantasizing about a coworker. It's not comfortable, and it shouldn't be comfortable. But can I tell you in that moment, it's all of a sudden you reveal the enemy's playing cards, and all of a sudden that's where you find freedom. James 5, 16, if you've been around Catalyst, you know this scripture. He says, just confess your sin one to another and pray for each other so you can maybe heal. That word healed is an inner freedom. Can I tell you, the day that I started to find freedom in this area of my life, here's how it happened. I was in a community group, and uh, one Sunday after church, I was in the auditorium. I was kind of lingering. Which I, always, I always advise, unless you've got like a, a doctor's appointment or something urgent, linger after service. Like, get to know people. 
Like, you'll never know who you'll meet. You might meet your spouse. Come on, somebody. If you're single, just mingle a little bit. Or you might meet that friend who can help you walk in freedom like I did. Like, don't, don't rush out. Like, church isn't a service. We're a family. So, so I lingered. There was a guy in my group. I kind of knew him casually. So after service, we were sitting down, like many of you are right now. I said, um, I said hey, can I ask you a question? I said, we kind of casually know each other. But can I ask you to be a certain kind of relationship for me? I said, here's, and I started to share with him my struggles. And as I shared with him my struggles, you know what I heard? Me too. You know, more than likely you might hear from somebody else? Me too. And we, we put devices or, or applications on our phone to send each other's like our website reports. So like, cause we, ha- we both struggled with similar things. We both prayed for each other. We both supported each other. Can I tell you, it was in that moment that I made that decision, I began to walk in freedom. Why? Because I took off the mask. I still have that relationship in my life today. Why? Because I believe the Bible that says you find freedom when you are open with somebody else. I think it's wisdom to have somebody who knows everything about you, like all of the bad stuff. I even think it's wise if if pornography has ever been an issue of your past, put filters on your devices. Have somebody else get get the website reports. I think it's wise. And here's why. Because when you take off the mask, when you're honest and you're open about this is what I'm really struggling with. This is why we have community groups. It's not just so you would find great new trails to hike on. It's not just so you would uh, find a new Bible study or meet new moms on a mom's play date or find a great place to grab dinner. It's so that you would have that one relationship or several relationships that you can say, this is what's really going on in my life. Like, Everyone else sees the Instagram version. I'm going to show you the behind-the-scene version of my life. I'm going to show you what I'm struggling with, what I'm, what I'm really going through, what's happening that nobody else knows about, the private struggles. Can I tell you, if a struggle remains private, I, I, I have not seen personally someone get freedom, and the enemy would love for you to keep it private. He loves for you to keep sin private. But when you open up and you confess that sin, that's where the healing comes. It reminded me, we have a saying here at Catalyst, take off the mask. Years ago, we were at uh, Hollywood Studios in Florida, and we were waiting in line for Doc McStuffins. Hannah loved Doc McStuffins. And I was like, girl, you love that cartoon doctor. Become a doctor in Jesus' name. Um, and uh, she, she uh, was waiting in line. Every 15 minutes, they would say, Doc McStuffins needs to go take care of Lammy. She'll be back in 10 minutes. Lammy was one of the stuffed animals she does work on. If you haven't seen the show, highly recommend uh, and um, I looked it up online afterwards, and they lied to me. She wasn't going to see Lammy. She was going underneath the tunnel at Disney World that's air-conditioned. She takes off her big mask because in the central Florida heat, it's, it's suffocating so they can breathe. And I thought to myself, if you need that physically, how much more do you need that spiritually? And some of you may have private struggles. Please hear this. There's no condemnation. Don't feel any shame at all. You may have private struggles you have told no one about. And you are spiritually suffocating because of it. Can I tell you, when you take that mask off and you let somebody else see the real you, it's freeing. It's freeing. And I I know it'll be life-changing. Now, let me also say this. Have that person for your own life. I do. It's life-changing. Now, let me flip it on you. Be that person for somebody else. 
Paul says in Galatians 6 to carry each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? To love your neighbor as yourself. See, there's a, we are the body of Christ. We are the family of God, meaning like we are active parts of the body. We have a role to play. And here's what I found. When you help somebody else carry their burdens, all of a sudden your burdens may look a little lighter. Have you ever noticed that? When you begin to serve somebody else and you realize, oh, wow, it actually helps you. It's actually biblical. Galatians 5.13, Paul says, you were called to be free, but don't use your freedom now to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. I was reminded of this carrying to those burdens the day I was in the gym. And I, when I go to the gym, I kind of get locked in. And I'm kind of focused on just my workout plan. I have my AirPods in, pumping a little bit of Andy Minio, a little Lecrae, a little KB. You know, about, what's your about Andy Minio? Nobody? Okay, look him up. You'll be glad you did. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm trying to help you out. Get some good music in your ears. I was, I was, I was, uh, anybody else ever do this? When I, when, I, when I listen to music sometimes, I get really into it. I start singing it, and I don't realize it's out loud. I think I do that sometimes in the gym. Maybe that's why no one wants to talk to me. But either way, I'm, I'm at the gym, and I'm, I'm sitting on the bench, and I see this guy out of, the, out of my periphery. He's going like this. He's like waving his arms like this. And I take my AirPod out. He said, hey, could you give me a spot? Because we're like the only two guys in the vicinity. I said, sure. So I gave him a spot, and I said, hey, well, do you need any more? I gave him like two more spots. And I realized it's easy for me to go into the gym and just focus on Jeremy. But there are others around me who need a spot. Let, let, me, let me give it to us practically. It's easy to come to church and just stay focused on what Jeremy needs and not realize the way that God's called you as the body of Christ is you're not called to just come to church and consume and receive and what's in it for me. You actually function best. You actually live more free. You actually live more fulfilled when you're an active member of the body of Christ. And let me help you out. You don't have to do anything formally. You can just pray for someone. You can encourage someone. You can be present for someone. You can be a friend to someone. Are you following me, church? And what a beautiful thing it is when the church does that. People find freedom, walk in wholeness, experience all that God has for them. Here's the third and final point. is pursue God and his righteousness. Pursue God and his righteousness. 1 Corinthians 6, 20, Paul says, honor God with your bodies. That word honor is the word to glorify to give weight to, to make room in your life for God. The word body is not your physical body solely, but your entire self. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. See, the goal of, of abstaining from the lure of lust is not merely that you would not have sex outside of God's context. The, the goal is not merely you would stop looking at pornography or you would stop fantasizing about that person at work. The goal is that you would experience life in Christ, that you would experience nothing in between you and God because when we sin, we place something between us and God willingly. And can I tell you, here's what you'll find, and many of you already found this, when you begin to pursue God and seek God and repent of sin and read his word and obey his word and pursue him, and you experience life and life more abundantly, you experience his peace, you experience his joy, you become passionate about it, and you want more of it. Because nothing in this world can supply that. And that's the goal. 
It's not merely abstinence. It's not save it for marriage. No, it's so you would pursue God without anything getting in the way. Romans 6.13, Paul says, Do not offer any part of yourself as an instrument to wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Here's a scriptural principle and a life principle. Is that if you want to stop something, a bad habit or something or a sin that you don't want to do, you do not merely displace it, you replace it with something else. So if you are wanting to become more physically healthier, right? A physical trainer or a nutritionist will not just say, stop buying cocoa pebbles and eating them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Although my children would, and maybe me, if I didn't care about my physical health, they're good. But they would say, replace that, the processed foods, with lean protein, vegetables, and fruits, right? And Paul's saying here, don't merely try to stop lusting. Don't merely try to say, I'm going to stop doing this, but replace it with something. Pursuing righteousness, reading scripture, pursuing God, worship, being in godly community. Do you know what also, I mentioned opening up to somebody else, which helped me tremendously. You know what I also did when I was first finding freedom in this area? I was single, had lots of discretionary time in the evenings after work. I filled my calendar up to be around other godly individuals because I, I had before then had no friends who were pursuing God. I was like, I need some people around me who are pursuing God and going after the things of God. So I joined like three or four different community groups. That was for me. I'm not saying it's a word of the Lord, but I'm saying what is it for you to pursue in place of falling and stumbling? Psalm 119.9 says this, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The psalmist says that we will pursue God. So we'll be on the path of purity, the path of life, so that we would not sin. My last scripture, Titus 2, he says this. Paul writes, for the grace of God has been revealed bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from the godless living and sinful pleasures that we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Now listen, my, my, my tone this morning has been a little bit strong, but it's out of a heart of love as a pastor because I personally have witnessed heartache, pain, physically, emotionally, spiritual brokenness because of the lure of lust. And here's my advisement as Paul. Run from temptation. Here's what that means. Now, some of you might think, Jeremy, it's a little bit strong. Here's what that might mean. You put devices on or put uh, software on devices for somebody to hold you accountable. You opening up and being real with somebody. Maybe for some of you, maybe the person you're living with, you're sleeping with, and they're not your spouse, then find out a way for you to remain pure. Even if that means moving out. Jeremy, that's strong. Yes, it is. You want to know why? Because God is worth it. Your spirit's worth it. Your soul's worth it. Your life is worth it, church. And the lure of lust is destructive. But the pursuit of God leads to life. So run from temptation. Avoid it. Structure your life to avoid it. Get accountable to somebody else. Open up. Let them know, here's where I struggle. Here's where I need help. I want to walk in freedom. And here at Catalyst, you won't find any condemnation. You won't find them putting 
shame upon you, being like, you did what? You'll probably hear me too. And then pursue God, like run after the things of God. Read the word. Listen, can I I encourage you? If you're a follower of Christ, listen to this. If you're not, you can tune this out. If you follow Jesus, you need to be reading the word every day. Sunday should not be the only time you eat. I don't say this to put a burden on you. I, I say this because his words are words of life. Are words of life. And for you to experience a life God has for you, you need the word of God guiding you on the path of life. The path of life. So here's what I'm gonna do, church. I wanna pray with two groups today. First, I'm gonna pray a prayer for all of us. And I'm gonna ask for a moment with heads bowed and eyes closed in a moment. And I'm gonna ask everybody to keep their eyes closed because I want this to be a private moment because I believe in the same way that I've walked in freedom in this area, God wants to set some people free today. He wants to lift his burden off of you. Again, there's no shame, there's no condemnation, there's life and life to the full. It's a first step, but it's an important step. So could you bow your heads with me, church?